Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. Anderson for uh, Stink, who's got TV duties at the Super Bowl for Fox Sports 1. And we'll get Joe Clatt along with us here in about uh, six or seven minutes. Let's get to the uh, top stories at DenverSports.com. Andrew Mason writing that DeMarcus Ware gets his call to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, and, and uh, Mace makes a really good point. So much of DeMarcus is where impact we, we think more about, oh, wow, what a mentor he was and what a father figure he was and what a, uh, uh, a real role model and leader he was. Dude played. Dude could play. And, in fact, if you look at what he did during the, the Broncos Super Bowl run, Super Bowl 50, he actually had more quarterback hits than Vaughn Miller in the postseason. Twice as many. He uh, racked up 12 hits on Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and Cam Newton along the way to the Super Bowl. So uh, he'll go in as a Cowboy, but hey, no problem adopting him as a Bronco. It's so nice in sports when people do things the right way and combine it with an extreme amount of talent and they end up getting rewarded for it and they go out the right way. And that's the DeMarcus Ware story. So much of sports is negative because there's only one winner every year and fans are upset and they complain and whose fault is it that we weren't the one team that won when 29 or 31 other teams lost too, right? So there's so much whining and complaining and angst and anger around sports all the time because of the nature of winning a championship. It's nice when a guy who has an extreme amount of talent but also does everything right and is the ultimate professional all along the way, finishes on top with a championship, and goes out the right way. So it's the good in sports is the DeMarcus Ware story. DMAC writing at denversports.com how Russell Wilson needs to uh, cut out the clutter in his life, in his professional life, that this guy is just too overextended, the dude has a LinkedIn page. How many professional athletes you know for a job? have a LinkedIn page? Hey, here are my bona fides. You know, uh, come take a look at my resume. Uh, the idea being that Russ is at a stage right now professionally and certainly in his personal uh, life that he's at a point where it just he's taking so many hits that he needs to simplify. He needs to take his team Get rid of some people, maybe bring in some people who actually will say no to him. This is the gist of, of D-Mac's argument. Does he have a point? I don't think it matters if you win. Yeah, but is this keeping him from winning? That's the, that's the crucial point. I, I don't is, know. Oh, is, he so, is he so here and there and over here and doing this and looking at that and being a part of this that it is affecting his play? I suppose you can make that argument. I don't buy that argument because I don't think any of those things 
detract from him working out or doing game prep or watching film, right? Uh, if if he were winning, right? If he were Tom Brady and doing TB12 and doing commercials and, you know, crypto and everything else, right? It's not an issue, right? When guys win big and they become the face of a league and they're selling shoes and they're selling energy drinks and they're all over everything making appearances and at movie premieres and award shows, nobody has an issue when they've won, right? It's not a distraction if they keep winning, right? Would this all be, would it be framed this way if he doesn't throw the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl? If they hand the ball off and he has two Super Bowls and he comes here, and the Hackett disaster happens, is it still framed the same way, yeah. right? I mean, ask yourself those questions. I don't think anything that Russ does is taking away from the time and the effort he puts into the Broncos. You may not like seeing it, and maybe it shouldn't be so public that it's shoved down our throat all the time, and maybe that's the issue, is that we have to keep seeing it and digesting it when they're not winning. Maybe just back off until you win. And stop showing it to us all the time, but I don't necessarily means he has to stop doing it. Well, but, but see, I would argue he does because while you're you're right on one hand, the great Zach byline, two things can be true at the same time. You're absolutely right; he was able to do all this stuff and still play at a Pro Bowl level and win a bunch of football games, so it wasn't affecting him then. But when you have had as bad a season and as bad a a, a introduction to Broncos country that. You know, you're getting booed, and you've become a, a laughing stock around the around the sports world. Never mind the NFL world, and people are mocking you. Then simply saying, "Well, this stuff has worked for me before. I can keep doing it. It'll eventually be all right." At some point, you have to recognize things were so bad that I, I got to make a change for change's sake. And if taking some stuff off my plate, having some people actually say no to me then maybe that will help me. What do I have to lose after what I just went through this last year? I think he understands things have to change. Does but, he? But I Does he? I don't think that Does he? I don't think that's his his schedule and the way he goes about his life. I think things have to change in the way he approaches being part of the team. But that doesn't mean that he has to change going out to dinner with Joe Montana, right? I, I think the difference is is the understanding that not everything he does needs to be public. We just don't need to see it until you start racking up some wins. Do whatever you want to do. Just don't keep showing it to us until you put some wins on the board. For what it's worth, he did post last night. He was uh, out to dinner, and he uh, took a picture with Joe Montana and Sean Payton. Joe looked skinny. Sean Payton looked like you and me. Dad bods. But Russ, it's a picture, and I know you can look at pictures, and pictures can somewhat be. He looked good. He looked skinnier to me. He looked leaner. His face didn't look as pudgy. He looks like he's in good shape, but again, he's got to get ready for beach season. It's caught up. Spring break. But we all agreed, we all agreed that... Whenever we see Russ during the offseason, we have to have that reaction like when Nikola Jokic came back that offseason after having really committed to changing his body, we were all like, whoa, he's got muscles. Vaughn came back after a year in which we were like, look at him. He's, he's, he's a monster. 
I think we need to have that same kind of reaction whenever we see Russ this offseason. And it's early, very early, but at least the picture I saw, he looked pretty good. That is what's going on at uh, denversports.com, the denversports.com front page. Time to welcome in, couple days late, but as long as we get him, it's worth it. Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst for Fox Sports and um, presented by Audi Flatirons. And Joel, I'm glad you're feeling better, but I was stunned, stunned, blown away when I heard that you couldn't do your appearance with us on Wednesday because you were sick. The, the, the world's greatest germaphobe. I've never met anybody who's taken such precautions to avoid germs. I have to ask, how did this one germ, because there's no way that millions of germs could have uh, got, got past your defenses. How did this one super germ get past Joel Klatt's line of defenses? Yeah, it was, it was clearly inevitable, some sort of super germ that uh, got its way past uh, all of my vitamins. Let me tell you what actually happened. Uh, and listen, and, and I'm convinced of this, and, and my amazing and lovely wife thinks that I'm an absolute psychopath for thinking this, but I had uh, a kidney stone two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Which, by the way, if you guys haven't had kidney stones, they are... They're the worst thing I've ever experienced by, like, a, a wide margin. I've had three in 20 months, and I'm just, I'm, I'm beyond, well, it's the worst thing of all time. So I'm just, I'm diving deep into all these articles about what could it be, what could it be. And I, and I read in this one article that taking too much vitamin C can cause kidney stones. And I'm like, well, that's me, clearly. I'm a germaphobe. I take probably somewhere between three and 4,000 milligrams of vitamin C every day, and I don't drink enough water, right? So I, I get convinced in my mind that, like, oh, the vitamin C has caused these kidney stones. <laughs> so I stopped taking my vitamins Uh-oh. for one week and got the worst cold I've gotten in five years. And I was like, what? And God, like, this sucks. <laughs> so that's what happened. Was it more painful than that hit that you took from the Miami player? Mike, I would rather get hit by John Beeson, who got paid a, a, a bounty by Nevin Shapiro for that hit. God bless him. I would rather be hit by John Beeson three times a day than have one <laughs> kidney stone. It's the it's the absolute worst. Imagine for a moment. Let's just all like not if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but like imagine everyone for a moment that. You know, you're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, it feels like someone reaches inside of your body and puts your kidney in a in a vice, starts to squeeze it, and then simultane- simultaneously starts to stab it. And then that happens for, like, not just moments, like three straight hours. I'm in so much pain, and I know what's going on, three and 20 months. Like So basically, I just took a pain pill, ran upstairs, grabbed a trash can, and I was like, I'm going to be in the fetal position for the next however many hours throwing up. Because that's how, I mean, by the, by the way, any of you out there that have had them, text, text the boys just so they know. <laughs> okay. Well, Mark went through one not too long ago, too. And, yeah, he's, he's that's a tough guy. And, and uh, he admitted well, it was Mark's kind of a sissy. bring you to your knees type stuff. Well, well, I'm glad you're feeling better and glad to have you here. Uh, Chad Anderson for, for Stink, who's uh, down there in Phoenix at the uh, Super Bowl. We'll get to the Super Bowl in a second. They didn't but, send uh, you? You didn't get to go? Yeah. Didn't go this year. Man. Yeah. Budget cuts? What are we doing? <laughs> Bam! 
banned or not banned. I don't know. Uh, oh, so. don't, don't even play that. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance while you were tucked in a fetal position to uh, watch Sean Payton's introductory uh, press conference or parts of it and what kind of observations came to mind as uh, you having spent time with Sean Payton as a player? Yeah, I mean, I saw clips of it. I, I just know that I, I believe in this guy. He's 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 won. He's done it. He knows what he's doing. He's very confident, and and I think that you know. And and you've heard me use this this term a, a, a little bit. You know, it just I got the sense watching some of that that like the adults have returned, right? Like the adult is back in the room. The guy that knows what he's doing, not some like fresh-eyed, brand-new coach or some, I hate to say it this way, but, like, just some defensive coordinator that gets his – like, it was no longer a guy gets his chance. This was like, oh, okay, we went after a guy that knows exactly what he's doing. That's the way it felt. The, the Kind of the adult is back at the podium. Um, this guy is very confident. There's no doubt about it. And and Sean uh, is going to succeed. I, I Like, I – I just don't see how it doesn't work out. The ownership group is clearly in a mode where they're saying to themselves, winning is important. Being a good franchise is important. And when they're willing to do that, when they're willing to be aggressive, when they're willing to spend money, I don't see how it doesn't work out, you know, one way or another. Uh, I don't know if it works out with Russ. Let's hope that it does because obviously the financial commitment will make it very difficult to to, to turn and to succeed in short order if it doesn't work out with Russ. Um, but I think that it will. And, and again, the, the, the biggest takeaway from some of the clips and, and the press conference for me was that the adult was back at the, apodi- uh, at the podium. In the college football world that, that you're so involved in, oftentimes the word great coach or the phrase great coach gets thrown around a lot for guys who recruit great players and put them on the field and have superior talent. I always look at evaluating a coach in terms of how do they adapt to give the roster they have the best chance to win. So how will Sean Payton give this roster the best chance to win in Denver by coaching and not worrying about having the best players? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're right. Although at the college level, it's a bit of both. Um, at the NFL level, though, and, and I was talking with a few guys that play in the league about this. Um, uh, Nick Foles is actually the brother-in-law of my neighbor. Okay, and so I get to see Nick actually quite a bit in the off season. Great kid, um, covered him in, in college, and we had a long conversation this last week actually about the NFL and just talking about the draft, the draft picks, fit, how it's so difficult to project for some of these kids. And and he said the bottom line is in the NFL, it comes down to coaching. The best teams have the best coaches, the coaches that put them in, in position to succeed, the coaches that understand what they have and then build around that. Um, another way of putting that, and I can't remember where I, I stole this quote. Maybe it was Benjamin Hardy's book, uh, Willpower Doesn't Work. But don't quote me on that. But there, there, there's a quote that I, I often think about when it comes to football, and it's it's about basically strengths and weaknesses and and the fact being that greatness is not about having no weaknesses. It's about identifying your strengths and building habits around those strengths that make them stick out and then uh, uh, the ability to really lean into those at critical times. 
And great coaches do that. And when you see what Sean was able to do for the length of time that he did it at New Orleans, this is one of the things that I think that he did best. He won with it, with different styles of teams. He won with, with different types of offensive players. They were able to throw the ball in different types of ways. Um, and, and Drew is not, let's, let's face it, the strongest arm quarterback. So he was able to be that successful throwing the football without a real threat of, of launching the ball down the field. So this guy understands strengths and weaknesses and how to lean into your strengths, build habits and, and a core around your strengths and really figure out the way to be successful. And that's what I think he'll, he'll do at Denver. You uh, have a, a thought on the, the Super Bowl, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Did you see enough from Mahomes on that ankle in the AFC Championship game, believing that two more weeks off that uh, he should be 100% and, and, and ready to go, the MVP for the second time in his career? Well, let's, just, let's put it this way. As good as the Eagles have been, and I really love their line of scrimmage, they've been, they have been dominant. They've been beating up on, 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 I mean, there's no other way to put this other than like sub-tier NFL quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. And now they're facing a guy that is the top tier. He is the top player in the league currently. I think he's going to be healthy. If he was healthy, healthy enough to play the AFC Championship game and win, then he's going to be healthy enough two weeks later to, to play the Super Bowl and be even more effective than what he was in the AFC Championship game. Um, this this string of, of quarterbacks that the Eagles have beaten up on have given them a, sol- a, a false sense of confidence. And while I love what they do at the line of scrimmage, and, and I'll probably kick myself if they're able to just go up and down the field because of it, um, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I think that he wins because in these games, it generally comes down to game plan and quarterback. And I'm going to trust Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes over the Eagles. You got a pick? Score? I just told you. No, score, score, score. What do you, score, what do you mean? Score. What, what do you score. mean that I got a pick? We need a score. Is it going to be a block? Oh, you, want me to, Mark, oh, you want me to give a score? Mark, like Mark, got, Mark, I don't like, even know what the line is. Mark so likes him 100 that, to nothing. Mark, I mean, Mark likes I would, Philadelphia. I would say it would probably be, in, in my estimation, it would be something like 24-17 Chiefs. Okay. Did you watch the NFL award show last night and watch Deion Sanders presenting and say, send all your kids to Colorado. And did you have a moment, especially as a, I'm just a, I'm just an observer. I'm just a a fan, a follower. And I find myself sitting watching the Deion Sanders experience going, how did this happen? How in just the span of a couple of months did, did Colorado football go from being a national laughingstock or irrelevant to being mentioned and, and being up on a stage like the one that we saw last night with Deion Sanders saying, yeah, hey, send them all to Colorado. D- did you find yourself having almost like a pinch me moment? Like, how did this happen? What's going on? Um, yes. Yes. It's, it, it's exactly what they needed. And... There's only one way to answer your question here on the way out, Mike. Really. And, and I think you'll appreciate it. <laughs> Which is, you're welcome. <laughs> this is all you, isn't it? You did this. You did you're this. Welcome. You did this. Buff fan, you owe your lifetime gratitude to Joe Clack because you pushed for this. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> 
This is this is this is as humble as you'll ever hear Joel. I'm, I, I promise you. This hey, is as humble Joel, as you'll ever hear him. Joel, do you know if you're going to have any of those games this year? Like, I mean, Nebraska is a, a Big Ten team on the road. Would that fall under the the Fox deal for you? Well, we still have the Pac-12 contract this year. We still have the Big 12. So we have the opportunity to select one of the first two, or any of them, really. Um, I'm pushing hard, just so you know. I call our programming guys at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, and give a case for why we should be in Boulder for his home opener. So I'm really hoping that, that we do that. And Big Noon Kickoff comes out there. Um, I think game day might be there uh, as well. And the only bad part, and this is where fans wouldn't wouldn't want this, but it is what it is, is that it would kick at 10 a.m. local. Yeah. Yeah, that's too early. Need plan. Well, need not to, really. No, need, when you get Gus and I, 10 a.m. Is, is prime time. <laughs> by the way, uh, people responding, I'm a woman. I've given birth to two beautiful babies. Passing a kidney stone is by far the worst. I literally passed out for two hours. It's like a razor blade going through your urethra. Stones are the worst. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, yeah, you're, you're getting a lot of sympathy. Well, and then I threw it all back with the, the ego at the end. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Joel, thank you. Enjoy your weekend. Have a, have a good one, boys. All right, there he goes. Joel Klatt, presented by Audi Flatirons. And... Um, that that like I said, that's as humble as you'll hear him. He, folks, really, really brought the idea of hiring Deion Sanders to the table. Him, Jeremy Bloom, right? Yeah. Those two, they, a few others. They really, really pushed the idea that uh, you you got to call this guy. You you've got to e- even while everybody had that opinion, that initial opinion, like Deion Sanders. You're not going to get Deion Sanders to come to Boulder. but He loves it. But he he pushed yes. it. He pushed it, pushed for it. And what do you know? And like I said, it, it is, it's bizarre world because the idea that CU football <laughs> just this past year was arguably the worst Division I program in all of America. And here we are. We've got Deion Sanders and Nick Saban up on the uh, big stage before the national championship game. We got Deion Sanders on the NFL awards show in front of the whole NFL world saying, send your kids to Colorado. And I'm sitting there watching this going, what? How this happen? But it's awesome. It's going to be a fun ride. Can't wait to see it. I got to say goodbye to you. You got to head out. Thank you so much. And, uh, we go from one Chad to the other. Chad Anders to Chad Brown. Chad A to Chad, Chad B. Brown. All right. Chad Brown coming along next. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. Fine. It's just that you're so, you're so big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big, 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 huge. Mark Schlereth is uh, so big that it takes two Chads. Uh, to replace him. Uh, Chad Anderson in for the first part of the show. And now Chad Brown from the Players Club joining me for the last uh, 30 minutes of the show. Good morning, pal. How you doing? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good, good. Buckham. Buckham? Buckham. Oh, you didn't hear about this? No. Tell me more. So 
Sean Payton says that he he doesn't he doesn't want to do any more. Let's ride, and he he went with how about Buckham? <laughs> uh, Sean Payton, stick to calling plays, not coming up with catchphrases, please. Hey, enjoy enjoy this side of Sean Payton TV, Sean Payton, because it's probably going to change a lot. Oh, starting next week. Yeah, less less of that, more of the coach. Yeah, Payton, right. Right? Uh, guys, it's, is it just me Friday? Give people a chance to get some stuff off their chest. And uh, here's one. Is it just me or why do you guys continue to bash Russell Wilson? Do you think we bash Russell Wilson? Or is the criticism of, of Russell Wilson, the player, and the, the, the head of a charity, uh, is, it, is it justified? Or is there too much bashing going on? Uh, you know, Mike, there's, there's always the... The fandom that uh, becomes so big that the player can do nothing wrong. And I think we come up against that. Obviously, we as media people, we have to talk about what we see. And I know it feels like bashing, because not just because of Russell Wilson, but because of the last several years of Bronco football, where it feels like we're bashing the Broncos. I get accused on a tech line of hating the Broncos. I don't hate the Broncos. I don't have a bone to pick against the Broncos. But if there's bad football, i got to call it out. And if Russell Wilson is playing bad football, I've got to call that out. And if Russell Wilson's charity is doing things that charities shouldn't be doing and there's not enough oversight, we got to call that out. Could there be good intentions? There could be fantastic intentions. But as my mother always said, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. People have always wanted to do good things. Um, but in the end, if they don't pay attention to what's going on around them, that can end up being a bad thing. So, no, I don't see you or myself uh, I'll, I'll even feel comfortable speaking for Mark that we're not Bronco haters or Russell Wilson bashers. We are truth tellers, and there's a big, distinct difference. Yeah, and, and even the the bit about the uh, the charity stuff. Let, let's let's be honest, okay? Let's all be adults here in the room. The any kind of criticism that's coming Russ's way is a byproduct of how he played. Because had Russell Wilson come here and delivered on everything that was promised to us, and he went out and he played at a Pro Bowl level, and the Broncos went to the playoffs, and 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 Russ cooked, and we had no concerns about the contract that we gave him, and no concerns about the the draft picks we gave up for him. I'm telling you, this this whole charity thing would be just uh, oh well, that's that's too bad, and it, it it'll get figured out. Probably just a little bit of oversight here and there, but it became and it has become such a big deal. Because he hasn't played well. That, that's just the, the way it works. If, if you play well, people get over this kind of stuff. If you don't, it just gives them added fuel uh, to come after you. And, and I think that's what we're seeing here. And that's why some people would, would say it's, it's bashing or bagging on Russell Wilson. It's a, uh, it's a reflection of how he played, nothing more. Uh, even if Russell Wilson had played like Tom Brady last year, um, I, you know, I know Russell Wilson is not – running his charity. But if it was Tom Brady, I would say the exact same thing about the charity. There's a standard for charities that your charity is not reaching. And it's one thing for you as a player to get taken from money because it happens all the time. But it's quite another when you're taking other people's money uh, under the guise of doing something well and you're not. So that's still it would be a pushback no matter how well or how poorly Russell Wilson plays. For you, okay, you're consistent. I, I admire that. I respect that. But I'm, I'm telling you it wouldn't be whatever you – Personally, you yourself, me, whatever you out there listening, however you have viewed this, I'm telling you it would not be nearly as big if he had played well.
I would agree with that. I, I'm, I'm very enlightened. Not everyone else shares my same level of enlightenment. <laughs> yes, you are. You are. You are. Uh, yes, you are. You look at these things. It's 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 very very uh, black and white for you as uh, as you look at all of this. Uh, so we heard Sean Payton yesterday. Uh, kind of almost recruit. Do you have that uh, handy there, Fever? Uh, Sean Payton talking about Josh Jacobs, and they were on a panel together. And uh, this is what uh, Sean Payton had to say about Josh Jacobs. I'm glad he's a free agent. I encourage everyone to look at him, get him out of the West. Maybe we look <laughs> See, at. Well, him. you look good in orange. I think yes, that. indeed. You and Javante back for a one-two. You oh, love yeah, a mixed cold. backfield. You love a one-two. I like a mixed backfield. Hey, he loves. And you get to play longer. <laughs> yep, you do. Who? How do you feel about paying big money, free agent money for a running back? Uh, if it's the right running back, I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I know what a truly special running back can can do. That's, I suppose, the best way to say it. And if you can find a truly special running back, uh, I've got no problem with it. The, the contract for Melvin Gordon uh, immediately made Melvin Gordon, besides his own doing, uh, a, a guy that we talked about in a negative way because his contract was far bigger than his contribution. And I felt very comfortable saying that at the very beginning. I said that at the end as well. Uh, but if it's uh, some other truly talented running back who can be special in your offense, yeah, I've got no problem with it. It doesn't matter to me that you play running back if you are truly great at it. Uh, Dalvin, uh, Alvin Kamara was special with the New York I'm sorry, with the New Orleans Saints. And his ability to be what Sean Payton needed in the run game and in the pass game, particularly in the screen game, uh, would warrant uh, a look at running backs who can be of that caliber and the pay you would have to give them for that special part of this offense. Even though the guys that get paid, it it doesn't always, really most of the time, does not end up being a, a really good contract. You, you pay guys for uh, their production at a position that has, what, a career life expectancy of about three and a half years? These guys always get hurt. And so what you're paying for is what they've done in the past with all likelihood that they're not going to match that kind of production long term, at least for the kind of contract that you're going to give them. As great as that 49ers team was this last season, as good of a play caller as Kyle Shanahan is, things took a massive leap forward with them when they got Christian McCaffrey. So that just kind of speaks to the, if you've got the right running back, they are certainly worth the money. Has Christian McCaffrey been banged up when he was with the Carolina Panthers? He was. Did they get what they thought they needed out of that contract? I'm sure they did. That's why they traded and moved on. Uh, But for the San Francisco 49ers, for Kyle Shanahan, Christian McCaffrey was exactly what they needed and propelled them to where they got this season. Hmm. Hmm. Even though, okay, he, he did bounce back this year, but ask Carolina how that contract worked out for them. That's why I just said. It. Yeah, you know, Carolina didn't feel like they got what they needed. All so right, there's there's a, there's a there is certainly a risk with running back contracts, uh, and there is a yin and a yang. There's a good side and the bad side. Uh, but when it's good, it can be really good, and it can move you forward in ways that getting a top flight wide receiver can. If you want to take away a wide receiver, you can. If you, if it's a truly talented running back and you've got a creative enough play caller who can mix him into the pass game and the run game, it's almost impossible to take that player away. But here's here's some good news. If if you're looking for Sean Payton, Russell Wilson working together and maybe getting the best out of Russ, Sean Payton, it, it's funny because during the whole process, it was sort of advanced, the idea, well, 
how is how is Peyton going to adjust to Russ, or how are they going to be able to get on the same page? Peyton wants to throw the football. How's this going to work? But if you look at closer at Sean Payton's coaching record, as Drew Brees got older, there was a nod to Drew's advancing age, and and Payton adjusted to the point that they went from being a perennial top five passing offense to one that over the last few years that Drew was in New Orleans with Peyton, they actually became a top five, top ten rushing offense. So this is a guy that you can feel comfortable, I believe, that really truly will coach to what he has more so than just, hey, this is my style, my system, my way or the highway. I completely with you. And he even talked about the run game and play action at his press conference. So the, the thought that somehow Sean Payton's going to come in and want to sling it all over the yard, while that may be part of his offensive DNA, I think he recognizes what I have to do to win. Uh, I don't think Sean Payton is one of those play callers. Uh, and I've given the example of Cliff Kingsbury. I've called so many Arizona games in the last couple of years. And every game, you're just like, dude, what are you doing? Just run the ball. You've got the game won. Why are you calling such cute plays? Don't, you don't need to prove anything to me or to your dad or somebody else along the way who told you about you being a play caller. You just win the game. I think Sean Payton it, would love to you know, be a, the number one passing offense in the league year in and year out, but he also wants to win games more than he wants that. All right, more on Sean Payton. He was on with uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning on ESPN Radio. He talked uh, more about how he's going to coach up Russ and the best of primetime, Deion Sanders, on uh, national display yesterday. You'll hear all that coming up next. Reacting to the news of Sean Payton's hiring and looking ahead to Philly and KC, Twin Peaks presents Schlereth and Evans. Chad Brown in for Stink, who's been uh, doing FS1 Super Bowl TV this morning. Chad Anderson also sat in. Chad coming along with the Players Club here in about 15 minutes. We were just talking about Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, how he's going to coach him, how he's going to adapt to where Russ is at, how they're going to find a philosophy, a scheme that works. Payton, Sean, was on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning on ESPN Radio. And uh, talk a little bit more about that. Uh, it, it, the, the number one thing, Keyshawn, you know this, the number one, two allies for good quarterback play, a good defense and a good running game. Yes. That takes the pressure off, right? And so if you don't have a good defense or if you don't have a good running game, the quarterback climbs up to the high dive and then and, and he's got to be better. Any of these quarterbacks, I, you know, you, I, I don't care. I mean, look, this kid in, in Kansas City is fa- fantastic, but he starts getting that deep coverage umbrella you know, he's going to have to utilize a running game, things to keep the defense off balance. And, and I felt like with Russell, that's certainly the case. If we looked at their Seattle formula, they played good defense. The running game wasn't always as good year to year, but they were committed to the running game with him. And then you got all the movement throws, you got all the different things he did. And so to, to your question, I think there were a lot of things that club didn't do well last year. And so look, does Russell catch the brunt of that? Sure. That's part of the deal, but um, but that's what, that's that's what we're going to get corrected. Okay, the defensive player in you hears that. Uh, how do how do you how do you react? Uh, we had uh, well, we criticized Chris Sims for for saying essentially the same thing about Jalen Hurts, not in a 
positive way. He was saying it in a negative way. Of course, a running back plays better when there's a running game and the defense plays well. Of course, you can support your quarterback when you do those things. When you have a cohesive game plan and it's got running it, there's play action. Uh, Sean Payne just said the movement throws. It takes it takes the pressure off the quarterback and puts it more on the defense. If you just want to ask your quarterback to drop back within the pocket and throw the ball 40 times, you're making your life easy for a defender. I get to pin my ears back as a pass rusher. Defensive coordinator knows what coverage to play. Uh, uh, the, the coverages coverages aren't, aren't really built to deal with you know the the movement plays from a quarterback. Coverages are built for a quarterback within the pocket. The game is still designed for a traditional quarterback, not a true movement quarterback. That's why more and more NFL teams are willing to adapt. Uh, these college running quarterbacks to try to be a movement quarterback in the NFL because of the pressure it puts on the defense and takes off the quarterback. Uh, so Sean Payton's exactly right. If you want to bring out the best in Russell Wilson, you've got to look at what was successful in Seattle. Does it need to be an exact mirror of that? I don't think it needs to be. I think Sean Payton can still run, quote-unquote, his offense. Uh, but those elements have to be in there for Russell Wilson to be successful. Uh, I, I know uh, Big O isn't on our show to defend himself, but he was saying, you know, uh, Sean Payton's not going to change what he does. I'm like, of course he's going to change what he does. If he's interested in winning, which I know he is, he's going to have to uh, adapt things from the peak of Drew Brees in trying to be the number one passing offense into what Drew Brees became earlier, an efficient quarterback from the pocket. But there was all these other elements that allowed Drew Brees to be successful within that offense. Between 2012 and 2019, Seattle's rushing game was top five, top five. Four in the NFL, six out of eight years. And Russ's last two years in Seattle, they were 12th and 11th. So there's there's all kinds of evidence that if you can get back to the Seattle way of doing things, and that includes defense, and it really includes running the football. The numbers don't lie. Six out of eight years, they were a top four rushing offense in terms of yards and attempts. So there's your formula. There's your formula. And, and to me, Chad, that... That doesn't sound that hard to get back to, right? Uh, I don't think it should be. Um, all, the, the run game is more a artifact of consistency than it is actual true success. Now, if you're off one, you can't block anybody up front. You know, that's going to make things difficult. Um, but Seattle's running game hasn't been lighting the world on fire. It's the consistent nature of the play calling that allows it to be successful. You and I have talked about this so many times in the past. The run game is more about the what the pressure puts on the defense as far as bringing another guy in the box. From a linebacker perspective, it's almost impossible to defend the run if your first step on the run play isn't forward. Well, what does that make you do? Occasionally, you're going to step forward when it's a pass play. <gasps> Now play action pass is open. So it's like the football oneness of this. The football 101 part of this is, is just so elemental to the game um, that it's always shocking to me that we had to come in here and talk about the run game with Coach Hackett. It's like, did, I know you've coached football before. I know your dad was a coach. How are you missing the boat so clearly on the football 101 of this? Do you not understand what linebackers are coached to do? Do you not understand what defensive linemen are coached to do? If you understand that and you start putting these guys in conflict with your play selection, it actually makes life easier for you offensively, not more difficult. Chad, I love getting athletes' perspective on on issues that, that go on within a team. And I, and I think it doesn't matter if you played football and we're talking about a different sport. I'm curious to get your thoughts. The whole Bones Highland 
the way it went down here with the Nuggets at the end. And I get the idea that he'd become a problem, that he'd become a distraction, that he's walking out of the arena, walking off the floor because he's not happy with his role. And, and, the, and the feeling is that this is not a guy that we can really trust and lean on as we're trying to go out and win a championship. But did they, did they throw the baby out with the bathwater by getting rid of him? Uh, for only a couple of second-round picks. He's 22 years old. He would not be the first immature 22-year-old professional athlete to come down the, the, the road. And I, I just would think that as as an organization, if, if you think that a 22-year-old Bones Highland is somehow going to rip your team apart if he's around, then you weren't made of the right stuff in the in the first place. So why not be able to, hey, Bones, why don't you kind of, you know, go off and watch this from afar, grow up a little bit. Let's revisit this during the summer. Let's revisit this next year. Let's let's see you do a little bit of growing up. Let's give this another shot before we just dump him for a couple of second-round picks that are virtually meaningless. If Bones Highland's uh, antics were somehow you know, uh, set aside and, and part of a vacuum within the Nuggets facility. Uh, I, I could see maybe what you're talking about. But at this point, they've become public. Um, and his teammates are starting to be asked about this. You know, whether they agree or disagree with Bones Highland, it starts to become a distraction. You know, coaches hate that. And when you're trying to put together a championship season, the, the fewer distractions you can have, the better off you're going to be. Now, you know, the NBA locker room, I got to imagine, is different than the NFL locker room. And there's always, almost every team I've, I've ever been on, there's always those bottom five guys. And I don't mean bottom five from a, from a skill set perspective, but from an attitude perspective. And they begin to chip away at, at the, the, the next five guys above them. And they can start to drag people down with them. And that old saying of a bad apple will spoil the bunch, um, I don't think Bones Island was going to destroy what, you know, what, how Jokic goes out and, and prepares and plays the game. And, you know, Jokic is a true professional. He's got his mind focused on winning basketball. But there's other guys who can start to slide down with him. And they're in the corner of the locker room, and they're commiserating how much Coach Malone sucks and how much this is awful and how come they don't treat me right and I need to get the ball and this is a stupid game plan and I can't believe this and I can't believe that. And, and so in order to avoid that that root of bitterness growing within your team or within your locker room, you've got to make a move. And this move is more than just getting rid of Bones Highland, is getting rid of distraction within the locker room. And it, it serves as a warning call, as a, as a shot to other players in the locker room who think they want to somehow put themselves in front of this team when they have an opportunity to be incredibly special this season. Leave you with this. Uh, I still think I'm in some new parallel universe, bizarro world, that the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes football team is uh, is one of the stars of Super Bowl week. Deion Sanders on the Rich Eisen show talking about how he's adjusted to Boulder. <laughs> this You, you want to know why people are flocking to come play for Deion in Boulder, Colorado? It's answers like this. And then it's not cold, cold. Like, 30 there is like hoodie weather. It's not cold. It's not like 30 in Texas or 30 in Dallas so, or 30 in, I'm sorry, Florida. So you can handle this cold. Oh, my God. I love it. I've adjusted my skin, my skin, my body. Everything is adjusted already. Already. Virtually no crime. It was four weeks before I saw police. I stopped him. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> just wanted to introduce myself. Say hello. <laughs> See how things are going. What's going on? How you doing? Popping uh, around here. Boulder's wow. finest. Oh, my God. Oh, how about that? I love it. That I love it. So, that, that's 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 magic right there, man. That's great. I love how Coach Prime is taking advantage of every single opportunity. You know, who was the star of the national championship pregame show? It was Coach Prime. Right. You know, who's going to emerge as one of the bigger stars from Super Bowl week? Coach Prime in his appearances yesterday. He's getting he's going to the GQ uh, Athlete Fashion Hall of Fame. And I'm sure he's going to talk about Boulder and the buffs there as well. So him taking every single opportunity to recruit players at the University of Colorado is just bringing me such joy. And, you know, the I thought the, not only was the Pac-12 on its way out, I, I was wondering if five, seven years down the road, if the Buffs were still going to have a football program with the way things were going. And I didn't think it was going to be possible to turn things around. He has already orchestrated maybe the greatest roster turnover in college football history with 45-plus guys on campus between high school recruits and college transfers, and all those guys are actual real players. Um, yeah, Coach Prime is getting it done. I am p- quite stoked for what he's been able to do, man. All right, Chad, thank you very much for uh, sitting in. I'm done. You stay right where you are. Nate Jackson's coming in. The Players Club coming your way next. When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits. 